Luke chapter 6, 46 through 49. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Let's pray. Father in Jesus' name, we pray that today your word would pierce our hearts, that it would show us where we have putting we have been putting in bad practice. Help us reveal some things to us today so, le- so that we can leave this place forever changed by your name and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen. We talked about last week about how pressure will expose you and this pandemic has really exposed uh, who people really are. And uh, I think sometimes we think we might be putting in the right type of practice and then the pressure comes and exposes that we've been practicing the wrong way. What I mean by that is very often when you are, uh, let's talk sports in particular, very often when you get into a high-pressure situation in sports, whether it's in basketball and you're playing against a team that's really aggressive defensively and they're trapping you, it, it starts to become very clear whether or not you have been putting in practice. Um, and if you're, maybe you're playing golf or something like that and you've been playing pretty good and all of a sudden you get to a hole and it's kind of backed up and a lot of people are watching you or you're being kind of observed and all of a sudden you start to fall apart. Very often it's because you've been putting in the wrong type of practice. Sometimes what pressure does to us is it exposes not just a lack of practice, but practicing bad things. I watch a lot of people, and I love golf, and so I watch a lot of people on the practice range just get out there and just pound balls, just hitting balls for hours, just, just slapping balls all over the place. And I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, man, you are doing that a lot, but you're doing it the wrong way a lot. <laughs> and I watch people very often uh, when, I, when I was playing basketball and I was struggling from the three-point line. My coach would say, just get back to the free throw line and practice just the basic fundamentals of shooting the basketball. Because very often what's happened to us is we get out and we get into bad habits. We get into bad routines and we really don't realize it's happening to us until pressure comes on our life and it exposes that we've been practicing things the wrong way. Vince Lombardi said this, he said, practice doesn't make perfect perfect practice does. Now, I don't even know that perfect practice makes perfect because I've never really met any perfect people, anybody that's perfected anything that they do, even golfers. I don't know one golfer that's birdied all 18 holes. They've played some good golf, but I don't know anybody that's perfected anything. I, I do know people that, that practice uh, makes progress. Can we, can we maybe agree on that? Practice might not make perfect, but practice does make progress. And here's the thing. If you're practicing the wrong things, then you will be creating the wrong type of results in your life. And how many of you have ever been frustrated with the results that your life is getting? Just throw your hands up in the air and say, I've been frustrated with my results. The results have everything to do with whether or not we've been practicing the right Way. And I want to talk to you about this because this is so important. Jesus says here in Luke chapter 6, 
He says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. Notice that. Jesus says it's not just about putting words into practice. It's about putting my words into practice. In other words, forget what you heard, hear what I am saying. I, I, I want you to understand today that many of us have been taught the wrong things. And so much of the bad results in our lives have been that we have been taught the wrong things. And so I want to give you two things that lead to bad practice, and then I want to give you three ways to recognize good practice, okay? First way, <laughs> first way we get into bad practice is bad information. Most of us have had bad coaches in our lives. Anybody in sports, you had a bad coach? Anybody had a good coach? And it wasn't until you met a good coach that you realized, oh my goodness, <laughs> that was a bad coach. Bad information is one of our biggest issues, especially in the church, because you cannot have right practice without right doctrine. And the word doctrine is just simply teaching or instruction. The, the Bible says in Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And can I just give you a few, a few thoughts and a few tips on recognizing bad instructors? First of all, sincerity is not the only prerequisite for accuracy. Just because someone means well, just because someone has a good attitude when they do it, just because someone is really passionate about it, just because someone loves it a whole lot, doesn't mean they are accurate. Just because someone has a suit and a microphone, doesn't mean they are accurate. Just because someone has a degree on a wall <laughs> and a church building and a sign on the street doesn't mean they're accurate. Can somebody in the building say amen? <laughs> Just because someone has a television program it doesn't mean they're accurate. And just because someone believes that because nobody listens to them, makes them right, doesn't mean they are accurate either. There's a lot of people who say nobody wants to hear the truth, that's why my church is small. <laughs> Actually, sir, nobody wants to hear your truth. I think in the day we're living in, we have never lived in a day like we live in today where people are actually starving for the truth. Like, I want the truth. And I want the truth at the expense of my feelings. Even if it hurts my feelings, tell me the truth. <laughs> Here's, here's the, this is why it's so important. It's because your conscience responds to the information you've been fed. And you cannot live the life that God wants you to live with bad information. A man named Darius Daniel said that bad doctrine or bad teaching is not neutral. It hurts and it harms people. There have been genocides that have been perpetuated in the earth because of bad information. 
Bad information. Bad teaching. Bad instruction. And the person in the room who thinks they're not susceptible to it is most susceptible to it. Because if you are not aware that as a human being, you want truth so bad that sometimes you are starving to the point where you will eat anything, you have not recognized your humanity. And you are in serious danger of error. You're in serious danger of what Timothy talks about. Paul said to Timothy, he said, in the last days there are going to be people who have itching ears and they, they want to hear what they want to hear. So they're going to prop up teachers who are going to tell them exactly what they want to hear. If you're, not, if you're not aware of it, you will actually pay people to tell you what you want them to tell you. That's deceived. And deception is a lot like bad breath. You are usually the last person to know that you're deceived. <laughs> Let me give you just a few thoughts on, on what biblical leaders look like. Because for most people, they, they, could be, they could be in a situation right now where they're being pastored or shepherded or led or taught by someone. And they don't even realize that they're being misled. Very often, they don't realize that they're being misled because very often the person teaching doesn't realize that they've been misled. Remember, sincerity is not a prerequisite for accuracy. People can be sincerely wrong. Jeremiah 3 and 15 God says this about shepherds, people that will lead his people. He says, I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. Let me me give you just a quick way to recognize a bad teacher. Some use knowledge and understanding as a way to control you. And others use knowledge and understanding as a way to set you free. And when a teacher uses knowledge and understanding to control your life, they are not a true shepherd. They are a false shepherd and a false teacher. Somebody needs to say amen. Ezekiel 34 and 4 says, you have not strengthened the weak. This is is the prophet. He's he's speaking about false teachers. You have not strengthened strengthened the weak, healed the sick, bound up the injured, brought back the strays, or searched for the lost. Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. One of the leading indicators of someone who has gone off into false doctrine and error when it comes to Scripture, one of the the best ways to recognize if you're getting bad information is, is this person controlling me? Because false teachers will teach that you are lost without them. Accurate teachers will teach you that you are lost without Jesus. <laughs> I, I, I want you to hear this. False teachers will teach you that your confidence needs to be in them. That somehow they are connected to your salvation, to your deliverance, 
to your wholeness, and listening to them is going to lead to your freedom. Can I tell you that if you listen to me, you'll be about as free as me. But if you listen to Jesus, whom the Son sets free, he is free indeed. Religion teaches you that your leader, your pastor, your shepherd, your, your elders, your deacons, however, whatever you want to call them, whatever your background is, teaches you that they are the ultimate source of inspiration, of clarification, and of God's final say in your life. But Jesus came to get rid of those kind of leaders and to present himself as the ultimate leader so that there would be no middleman between you and Jesus. Any religion that teaches you that there's a middleman between you and Jesus is a false religion. It's not good doctrine. <laughs> Man. So number one, one of the number one, we we practice badly because we've got we've got bad information. So we have to make sure of the quality of the source of our information. Second of all, we cannot spiritualize our preferences. If we spiritualize our preferences, it will lead to bad practice. Hosea said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. He said, and because you have rejected it. Hold up, wait a second. It wasn't that these people were not being taught. It's that they rejected what they were being taught. So it's one thing to not have knowledge because you haven't been taught. It's another thing to not have knowledge because you have rejected it. What God is saying is, I offered you a way, but you chose your way over my way. You spiritualized your way. And, and this, is, this is what's said about it in the New Testament, Mark 7, 13. Jesus says, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. This is what began to happen. They began to assume that whatever they liked, God liked. Whatever they didn't like, God didn't like. And here's the problem with most of us in the room today. This is, this is the problem. Most of us go to the Bible for confirmation and information, not transformation. <laughs> you go to the Bible not to transform your life. You go to the Bible so that it can confirm your political beliefs. The way you believe about family, the way you believe about relationships. And so we go to the Bible not to transform our lives. We don't go to the Bible and say, hey, tell me what to do. We go to the Bible already informed and then we shape the Bible into this little thing that can make us have these, this ammunition, this backup. 
so that we can do what we wanted to do all along. It's like most people who come to me for counseling and they say, help me. I say, okay, here's some help. Only to come and find out they did what they wanted to do in the first place. If you would stop approaching the Bible with your preferences and approach the Bible like a student who is hungry to learn, you need to approach the Bible like you're wrong and he's right. I got to approach this like, God, I could be wrong. My attitude could be wrong. My preferences could be wrong. My convictions could be wrong. The way I think could be, my ideology could be wrong. My theology could be wrong. My upbringing could be wrong. Show me where I'm wrong. Transform my life. It's two, just, just two. Two ways we can recognize bad practices. Spiritualized preferences. We start to assume that because we don't like it, God doesn't like it. I've seen so much of this in church life. I'll never forget. A few years ago, we had a youth conference, and we, during one of the songs, somebody came up, and they, they rapped during one of the songs. And I'll never forget. It might have been you, Derek. And after the, after the service, I was in a, I was in a, in a room eating with, with some pastors, and the guy leans up, one of these guys leans over to me, and he goes, Rap, really? In church? I said, I said, wait, wait a second. What? He said, man, he's like, God can't like rap music. I said, what makes you say that? He said, well, first of all, I don't like it. When you start to think that you and God have the same opinion <laughs> on stuff that God never gave his opinion on, aren't you thankful for, for a God who never said what style of music he likes? <laughs> if, if, if somebody <laughs> tells you something from God, is from God, but they can't point to it right. in Scripture... Maybe that's bad information. Maybe we have built church on so much bad information and we don't even realize it sometimes. Maybe we have spiritualized our preferences from the way people are supposed to dress. From the way people are supposed to act. Oh, you should. Did you see that person run, run around in church today? That is out of order. <laughs> Who told you that? My grandma told me. And, you know, my grandma, she knows everything. <laughs> yeah. Whew. You've got to be very, very careful, church. That you don't start to spiritualize your preferences or you will get away from God's preference for the church. God, don't let it be said of us that you didn't strengthen the weak. That you didn't heal the sick. 
that you didn't bind up the injured, that you didn't bring back the strays, that you didn't search for the lost. Man, let me give you three ways to recognize bad practice. First of all, just ask this simple question of anything that you're consuming, anything that you're listening to, anybody that you're being led by. Ask yourself this, is this the gospel? Is this the gospel? The word gospel just means good news. Is this the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is this Jesus' good news? Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, he said in verses 6 through 9, he said, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. What was this different gospel? This different gospel was a gospel that demanded works to prove that you were saved. And not only to prove it, but to actually be saved. You were not saved unless you did this. And Paul says that is a different gospel. So if you are hearing teaching that demands anything of you other than faith in Jesus to be saved, that is not the gospel. And that will lead you to bad practices in your life. That will lead down a road of guilt and shame and never being enough and never being qualified and never doing enough to deserve God's love and never really fully being accepted by God. So I want to ask you, what you believe, is it actually the gospel? Paul said, you've turned to a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. This is not good news. It's not good news that you're saved by your works. (laughs) that's not good news because if you're saved by your works then none of you are actually saved because none of your works will be good enough to actually deserve God's salvation the only work that was good enough was the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and every one of your works are incomplete that's what he's saying it's no gospel at all some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel this is a perversion of the gospel don't take this lightly Salvation by works. Don't take it lightly. Take it very seriously. Take it seriously in your own life. Deal with every part of you that thinks that you have something to do with your salvation. And that it is not completely the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Deal with that part of you that wants to settle in your shame and in your guilt. Thinking that because of what you've done, you don't have access to God. That because of the bad thought you thought today, that God doesn't love you anymore. That because you failed in that sin, that now you're going to hell. You have to deal with that in your own. You have to begin to believe the gospel for yourself or you will be susceptible to teaching that distorts the gospel. You will start to believe stuff that if you write a check for this, then God will send a healing and God will send a blessing and God will pour out his spirit and God will do things in your life just because you wrote a check. Are you kidding me? You can't write a check big enough to deserve what God wants to give you freely. If I just go to church more, maybe God would let some good things happen to me. No, we don't go to church to get God to do good things. We go to church because God has done the greatest thing that has ever been done in the history of the world. I'm here today 
Not to appease God. I'm here to bless God. I'm here to worship God. I'm here to honor God. I'm not here to keep God off my back. No, Jesus took him off my back. I'm satisfied in the eyes of God. I'm fully righteous in the eyes of God. I'm totally holy. I know you don't like it. No, no, you think the only thing about me that's holy is my genes sometimes. But I'm telling you today, I'm righteous in the sight of God because my righteousness is not my own. It was bought and purchased by the blood of Jesus. Is it the gospel? I'm telling you, just because they have a TV program doesn't make them accurate. Those same guys that are like, live by faith. Why don't you live by faith and stop living by my money? Why don't you live by faith and stop li- living by susceptible old ladies? You trickster, you manipulator. I'm looking right in the camera right now. This ain't on TV. This is on Facebook. Just because they're on Facebook doesn't make them legitimate either. <laughs> Second thought. Does it glorify Jesus? Is it the gospel? If it's the gospel, it will glorify Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 2 says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also all things have been made, made in the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God in majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he inherited is superior to theirs. I want to tell you, I don't care if it's Joseph Smith. I don't care if it's William Branham. I don't care if it's any of these modern day prophets. Every one of their words is subject to the name of Jesus. And the words of Jesus. Jesus has all authority in his church. No other name is to be given the honor that the name of Jesus is given. Every other word is under the scrutiny of his word. And if it doesn't line up with his word, then it's a false word. I don't care if they perform miracles. I don't care if they've got signs and wonders. You see it all throughout scripture. The enemy, the Bible says, will masquerade as an angel of light. In the Old Testament, those magicians were doing some of the same tricks that Moses was doing. But they were false. Throughout history, you've had people under inspiration from the demonic. Under inspiration from satanic power. Convince people that they are actually of the light. Because they have the ability to perform signs and wonders. That's actually going to be something that leads people astray in the end. Is that they followed the signs and wonders and not Jesus. Can I tell you, don't follow miracles. Don't follow money. Don't follow fame. Don't follow fortune. Don't follow influence. Follow Jesus. 
follow Jesus. To glorify Jesus. John 14 and 26 said, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have told you. If this church ever gets up after I'm gone and they start quoting me, run. If I sat here today and I said, you know, our founding pastor, Richard Hilton, we're going to preach a word today about the words of Richard. The wisdom of Richard, him and his beautiful gray hair and his Run. Everything he said, everything I say, subject to the word of God. I, I challenge you, I encourage you, go home and do like the Bereans did in the Bible. And every single word I say, don't take it at face value. You go and you look at the scripture and you say, is that of God? Don't do that to me. Don't, don't. Don't make me into something I was never designed to be. Test every word I say. Hold it under the light of the gospel. And if it stands up, receive it. But if it doesn't, you throw it out. You don't do anything with it. John 15 and 26 says, When the advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. This is what Jesus said. So, so the church is going to be recognized because you know what they do? They talk about me all the time. They're going to talk about, they're going to tell you about me. You know whose words they're going to remind you of? Not some dead prophet. They're going to remind you of my words. That's really, really good. Third thought, will it make me more like Christ? So is it gospel? Is it glorify Jesus? Will it make me like Jesus? Because that's the goal, right? James 3 and 14 through 17 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Verse 16 says, For where you have envy, And selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Let me tell you something. The church should be a place that welcomes sinners. But the church is not a place that practices sin. Or condones sin. So it's fine. Sinners are welcome. We're not going to practice that here. We're not going to condone that here. We're not going to do that here. Why? Because this is what the Bible says. It says the wisdom that comes from above is pure. It's peaceable. It's considerate. It's submissive. It's full of mercy, full of good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Do you know why... Do you know why there's righteousness in the church? There's righteousness in the church because we sow peace. (laughs) 
We sow heavenly wisdom. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. How do I know? How do I know if this is a bad practice? Is it full of love? Is it full of joy? Is it full of peace? Is it full of forbearance, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? I'm telling you today, in these last days, you don't have to be the one who is deceived. If you're not cautious, if you're not careful with your life, deception will come in. And deception is the number one enemy or number one weapon of our enemy. He used it with Eve in the garden. He lied to her. He said, if you eat from this tree, you'll be like God. He was telling her that she would become something she already was. When she was made, God said, let us make man in our She was already in the image of God. And Satan promised her something that she already had. Bad practice will promise you something that you already have. Bad doctrine will tell you that God will love you if. No, God already does love you. Bad religion will tell you, bad practice will tell you that God will bless you if. No, you already have Jesus. You have the favor of God on your life. You've been filled with the spirit of God. Peter said, you have everything you need that pertains unto life and godliness. What are you waiting on? I'm telling you. Watch what you practice. Jesus said, If any man hears my words and puts them into practice, he is like a man who dug deep, laid his house on the foundation that is the rock. And when the flood came, the house was not shaken because he had built his foundation on the rock. I'm telling you this. If you think the day we are living in right now is bad, you haven't seen anything yet. This is just a practice session for the days that are ahead. And you need to get your heart ready. You need to get your life ready. You need to get your house ready because floods are coming. And I don't want to be shaken. And I don't want you to be shaken. I want us to stand. Come on, if you want to be able to stand, stand on your feet today and just throw your hands up in the air today. Say, God, I refuse to build my life on anything but your words. Your words. Not a man's word, not Robbie's words, not, not, a, not a television preacher's word, not, not my family's words, not, not my uncle, not my aunt. Not, your words. Help me, God, to stop going to your word for information and confirmation. Help me to start going to your word for transformation so that I build my life on the rock, not not false rocks, but you, the rock of my salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone in the room said amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and thank God that he...
He is our sure and firm foundation. Amen.